Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. We want to talk about the Holy Spirit some more. Come on, just just tell him. Say, Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. You know, I started saying that about him long before he felt like my best friend. So I don't know if, know if you understand things in the Spirit have to be said before you feel them. I'm going to talk about discerning of spirits. Um, this is, I'm a little ringy. Let me turn this down. Um, this is an amazing time in history. And as, as the days keep clicking by, so sorry, as the days keep clicking by, it becomes more and more apparent how strategic that what we are learning right now, what? Oh, no, I'm good now. What we're learning right now is really important. I want to blow your mind a little bit tonight, okay? Because I have a lot more information about the Holy Spirit than I ever have room or time to give. Just why I want to do that, right? I want to start out with a couple of quotes from Fully Convinced. It's a new book I'm reading from Steve Backlin. It's called The Art of Decision Making. How many are great decision makers? I'm a great decision maker. Who else is? Some of you are raising your hand, you're not, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. A little joke. Come on. He said the greatest temptations we face are not to do wrong, but to believe wrong. Part of my job as training up leaders is to hopefully rapidly change your mindsets. You know, it's so hard to work with someone who's resistant who's stubborn, who's prideful. And so it's really good. That's why we do this kind of worship. It's because it's your opportunity to... How many in worship feel that... You know, I was telling the worship team last night that worship is supposed to... You know, the Bible says that we have this hardened... I think the King James word for it is fallow. It's a ground. It's a soil around our heart that we place... Um, our hurts and disappointments and and we begin to distance our heart because what are we trying to do protect it everybody does this we're trying to protect it and see the enemy has a pseudo type of connection and it's often grounded in pleasing some sort of entity within our soul that's why, that's why addictions are so rampant because we have this hardened or fallow covering around our heart. And in worship, part of that is that got, it has to be broken up. Because see, what I'm about to give you is in seed form. I know this really well and I operate in this, but for you possibly it's just in seed form. So see, if your ground's hard, what does it do? It just kind of lands there. And guess what? This, this blows it away because what seed? It's really light. Right? How many know that the seed goes down to the ground, 
and it breaks apart. They call that dying. It sheds an outer coating because what's it start to do? It starts to go down deep, yeah. right? And so worship is part of that. It's just breaking up. It's trying to make your heart malleable. It's trying to make your heart um, soft. It's trying to make it tender because the words of Jesus are life, but they're only planted in a heart that has humility. If, you, if you're not changing rapidly, rapidly, check that. One thing, are you humble? Are you judgmental? You're not humble. Are you prideful? You're not humble. See, we have to come in. He flows to the lowest place. And see, after I get low, He raises me up. You don't raise you up. If you raise you up... <laughs> If you raise you up, you're going to fall, right? It might take you 10 years or so, but you'll fall. Because you're serving one of the entities. See, in heaven there was an angelic realm, and a third of them said, nah, we're going to follow this other dude who thinks he's all that. And so they have no power because they're a created being. So when they suggest things, through manipulation or they suggest things that make you afraid, then they're, they're causing you to serve an inferior solution to life. Right? How many know that? So he said the real, this is still Steve, the real spiritual warfare. How many know you're in a war? How many know you're in a war? Some of us don't even know we're in a war. Well, let me help you. You are in a war and you cannot change that. Real spiritual warfare is whether we are going to believe lies or truth. How good are you at? The truth will make you free. Truth makes us free first in our emotions and then in our circumstances. Lies restrict us first in our emotions. Think about your emotions, how restricted or free they are. So... If they're restricted, if, if you're underneath a lie of fear, your emotions are so restricted, right? So he has to come in with freedom to break that loose, to give you permission. How many know we need permission to be free? We think that we don't have that permission sometimes. He says, first in our emotions, in our circumstances, the lies restrict first in our emotions, in our circumstances. That's why freedom or truth releases our emotions. How many know that to be true? That your emotions were one of the very first things that began to come back up. You're like, okay, right? He says the epidemic of doubt, insecurity, and guilt comes from believing lies. And the good news is that we are empowered by God to decide to believe what is true. The boundary book the other night, I mentioned the power, the law of power. Do you remember that? You have the power to believe what I'm saying and you have the power to reject it. If I was saying something against the word of God, then your spirit man would know it. Right? Just like when you hear some crazy, let me think of something crazy I heard just today. Oh, there's so many. When you hear something crazy, you know, like Chick-fil-A is not going to have sauce anymore. I know, look at Army. He's about to, 
Is that a lie or truth? See, some of us ha- were affected by this. Lynn, Lynn doesn't even really like Chick-fil-A, so she's like. So see, when we hear something, did you feel yourself have a reaction? If you love Chick-fil-A sauce, you thought, that's a bad business decision. Yeah. Right? No, au contraire, Chick-fil-A has shirts and shoes that go along with their sauce flavors. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, you think they're cute, don't you? Anyway, so I'm just saying, when we hear information, this happens to us all the time. That boundary thing got y'all stirred up. Yesterday, y'all were crazy. I don't even know why y'all act like that, but I clearly, right? Why? What's, what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's stirring up something that needs to change. You know, when I have anxiety, it's because something in my heart needs to change. Right? So these, I love that our emotions give us indicators. So, oh gosh, I'm sure I'm going to talk about this at least two times. But let me read you my scriptures first and foremost. It's Matthew 12, 23, John 6, 63, John 14, 15, and 17, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, you can't write these down, 9 and 16, 9 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. I'm just doing it to prove I have some. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and 1 Peter 4, 1. Okay, the other night I was minding my own business. And I heard this, that um, when we are bowing to duplicity, we have entered into um, a realm of the demonic. Now, I didn't even know what duplicity meant, but you can kind of hear the word and kind of know it probably means something about devil, right? But let me let me give you a little more information. It's a Latin word that means double or a kind of deception in which you intentionally hide your true feelings or intentions behind false words or actions. And I I started thinking about it and I so I began to look up some scriptures. So let's turn to James 1 5. Yeah, let's just turn there. Why not? Don't get stuck there, Teresa. Tell her not to get stuck there. This is just a precursor. John 1, uh, James 1, 5, sorry. If anyone longs to be wise, is that anyone in here? Did you know all wisdom, true wisdom comes from God? Doesn't come from a book or a person, right? It just comes from the holy book. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it. That seems simple. I, I pretty much do this every day, multiple times a day. How many of you like go for a week in tension on a really hard decision or a really hard problem? Then you're like, oh, I could ask God. Right? That needs to be kind of more in real time. Just helping you out, you know. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to get onto you or scold you for your failures. Why? He's a good God. But he'll overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Anybody felt like a failure this week at all? Oh, dang, you need some of this asking ability. Let's try it. God, I need wisdom. That sounded so hard, didn't it, earlier? Remember when you were facing that problem and it didn't even come to your mind? 
See, the awareness of what you need is what you need to develop. Not the inability that it doesn't work. All the God stuff works. If I'm not experiencing it, I'm not doing it the God way. Right? And so don't get stuck here. Let's move on, okay? There's so much goodness right there. I see some asterisks. I'm not going to punch on them. Six, just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you receive. There's the hitch, isn't it? Right there. We don't know how to do that, do we? Ask with empowered faith. What is faith looking for? Oh, see, we're stuck already. What's Just quickly, what's faith, what, what is it looking for? Yeah, it's looking for a target because why? It needs activity. You know that antsiness you feel? You, do you see anybody what I'm talking about? That's because your faith is going, I am bored. I am bored, 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 bored. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking about yourself. It's bored out of its mind, and you think social media will fix it. Well, let me see. I love every now and then. I've got about five people on Instagram. I just love to see if they're on there. All, my, all those little green lights lit up. I'm like, oh, dang, look at them. They're on social again, right? Why? Because we're looking for an activity. So is faith. Do you think that God has nothing out there in his mind that he wished someone would partner with him on earth to do? He's up there going, I'm all done. It's, there's nothing else to be done on earth. See, think of your life as, see, I'm stuck. See, think of your life as a life that's meant to be lived, expressing faith when God points out something. Do you see something that needs to be changed? Ever? Does anyone ever see anything that needs to be changed? That is your chance to exercise this faith to say, Papa, it's another question. I'm the question master. Papa, what do you want done here? Not what I want done. That's why Jesus said, not my will. When you see something that needs to change, do you have a way that you think it should change? Anybody? It may not be his way. Did you ask? See, when we ask, then our faith gets, oh, I can pray that. We make it so hard. It says, for the ambivalent person, this is the nature of duplicity right here, believes one minute and doubts the next. Let's, let me give you an example, shall, shall we? So, <clears throat> let's just say that God gave you a promise about a relationship you're in. Does anybody feel like they have that? Anybody? Great. And let's just say God says, this is what I am telling you is the promise. Now, what's a promise? Is a promise negative? Let me help you. What is a promise? It's like, wow! That's what a promise is. That's what a promise of God is. Now, I don't know how you react to it, but I'm like, wow! He just told me, he told me something yesterday. I had a dream about somebody here yesterday, and he told me something, and I woke up and I said, Okay, good. 
And I begin to tell him how awesome his ideas are. Oh, God, what a powerful dream. Oh, and I begin, and you know what my next step is? I tell people. And you know what my third step is? I make plans for it. Because what am I doing? I'm making sure I don't doubt. Remember our little Rolly friend? He goes with generous Mimi out to breakfast. Remember? He had his little money and he wanted to give the lady a tip. Remember? But what happened? Time. Time went by and he was like, well, maybe not a, what was it, a 20? I don't know. Maybe not a 20. Let's go with 15. He gave 15, 15, he got 10, he got 10. Before, before the meal was over, he was like, well, let's, let's just bless her with our words. How many of y'all have done that? Really? I mean, seriously. Like what happened? Doubt. Now look at what the next definition is. You ready? Vacillating like spiritual schizophrenia. That's that word in James, doubt. Now, what am I talking about tonight? I'm talking about discerning of spirits. So it's really important to realize how double-minded happens because it's going to lead us to spiritual schizophrenia. What is schizophrenia? Many, 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 many voices. What does God use to speak? A voice. See, if I, I want to teach you about discerning of spirits because I cannot tell you, I can't think of a second during the day you don't need this tool. And I would venture to say that a lot of us are completely unaware it's going on. And we actually react and make decisions based on something we're discerning that we miss. Have you ever made a decision and man, a little while later, you're like, you know that one, that bitmoji where she's and back behind her is the dumpster and it's on fire. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what happens. And so part of us learning about how to discern spirits is to learn what kinds of spirits operate on the earth. Now, I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. I'll just tell you this up front, that I know it's hard. I just have to say that for some of y'all that are going to hear this statement. But... My number one aim and focus is to yield to the Holy Spirit. That, that's just, I can't tell you everything in me. I haven't always been this way. But I encountered His presence 25 years ago. I had been in church all my life, and I wanted His presence. I remember there would be times where I would be in a worship service. I, used to, I went to two churches. One was 7,000 people and one was like 8,000 people. 
And I remember I would go up to the front and they, they had that front where the pastors all set up at the front and, you know, face the audience, you know, in those throne room chairs. And, and they had a runway like we were fixing to do a modeling show or something. And then they had this, some sort of apparatus they called an altar, but, but the pastor was like 400 feet up there in front of you. But I would go as close as I could because <laughs> it's all I knew. I just, I was just so hungry for his presence that I would just get as close as I could to something up at the front. I mean, is there anything happening up there? Because I'm just trying to get where it is. You know, my mom went to the same church when I there and she'd say, I don't even understand how you can keep your hands up that long. (laughs) I would just stand with my hands up until I couldn't even feel my arms anymore because I just wanted what we do here now. I just wanted to be invited. It's just better for one day in his courts. And see, that's since I ache so much for that, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about demons. I just smell them. (laughs) I can smell fear. On you. I can hear it in your words. And when you make him your total aim, then you won't have to figure out, even though I'm going to tell you tonight, you don't have to figure out what everything is because he'll just tell you. And and if if you understand this, God is not the underdog. The created angelic realm that fell that we now call demons, they're just created beings. They have zero power. But they sure make a mess. They make a mess with my duplicity. They deceive me into actions that make it true. And so let's read a little bit. Let's turn to Luke 16. The first thing that we have to get right, which I know you already know this. I'm going to read it in three versions, okay? In the Amplified, it says, No no one, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devotedly by the one. This is Luke 16, 13. By the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon, that is your earthly possessions or anything else you trust in and rely on God instead. In the Passion, it says it's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. Your choice between God and the wealth of this world is no different. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. So that tells me there's just two camps on the earth. In your little world, and some other universe, there might be some other camps, but on this one, this circle you live on, there's just two camps. There's God, and then there's other stuff. Right? And so I want to be on the side of choosing God's way every time. Don't you? No? 
Okay, oh, I do. And I believe that God has given me the ability to know that. So see, he has my amen to his yes. He says, I grant you ability to know my will. And I say amen to that. So be it. Try it. So be it. So then I rearranged my life to make sure I know his will. It's not like a sidecar. It's not like, well, I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff and look down every now and then and see if, are you pleased? Are you pleased? It's not like that. Bill Johnson, I was listening to him today and he made this statement. He said that when he was younger, that God said to him, if you will stay out of my way, I will use you in no small way. (laughs) What does it mean to get in the way? What does that mean? Does anybody know what that means? What does it mean? Yeah, it means right here. It's part of your soul. It means right here. What you think. Let's go back to what Steve Backlund said. Can we say it again? The greatest temptation you face is to believe wrong. Isn't it crazy how much wrong belief we have? Let's not worry about the crazy world out there. Okay, let's not compare ourselves to them. Don't compare yourself to Target right now. Or Bud Light. Okay, we're not in that realm. We're in the realm of trying to be trained to be the prophetic. That's why I have, that's why I'm up here every week is to train a bunch of leaders to walk with the voice of God. And see, I can't deny that there's a God and walk with his voice. And I can't disobey his voice and walk with his voice. What Bill said was that we limit God by feeling like we need to understand what he's asking us to do. Been there yet? I'm there all the time. I'm a planner. I love to plan. Pam and I have owned our own construction business for 31 years now, I guess. And back... 20 years ago or so, we were a year booked up in advance, like on the books, got money, waiting on us to do the job, a year. And I was driving down the road one day. I remember where I was. I was on Hefner Parkway. I was actually driving to meet Lynn. And he said to me, you can't book out in advance anymore. I thought I was going to hyperventilate. I did. And he said to me that day, you either let me supply all your needs or your calendar's going to, and it'll kill you. See, for me, it was security. When God told us to start this business, we had zero money. I had... I had I had paid $20,000 to invest in this company. And the week that Pam and I were going to launch this company, it was a data company. 
Um, my ex-husband walked in and he said, I want a divorce and I get the house. That was his words. And he, and he planted potatoes besides the road. But <laughs> I was sitting in a spare room and my dog had just had four puppies. And we had all kinds of computer equipment. We had a whole like 400 square feet office set up and I lost all of it that day. But I had my puppies. I don't know if you know this, but puppies cost money. I sold two of those puppies. I gave one to my nephew. And I kept the other one because when I was driving to sell it, a rainbow appeared across the sky in front of my car. And he said, if you keep this dog and not sell it, I'll give you a promise. I named that little dog Promise. Because why? I put my faith. I mean, these were expensive dogs, so you have to understand it wasn't like 50 bucks or something. <laughs> Just to make it clear. It was a little loss of revenue. And I had nothing. I didn't have, I didn't have a car. I ended up with a Sea-Doo. We had a Sea-Doo, but I didn't have a car to drive it. <laughs> So we just, no, I'm just kidding. I can tell so many, so many funny stories. Okay, this is as a hope. And so see, in that moment, we started that business, and then we became really prosperous 10 years later. And in the moment of prosperity, he said, change the way you do it, or you'll lose the thing that's really the thing. I propose to you that everybody's going to have that moment. I've had that moment like three times in my life. Have you had one of those yet? Anybody? Because what's he doing? He is offering me promotion. What I gave up then was nothing compared to what happens now. And see, if I had said no that day, how would I have said no? No one would have known it. That was a private conversation on a highway to nowhere. No one would have known. I could have said no by continuing to book up. Right? I mean, even now, this tension between Pam and I, we, we, he won't let us book ahead. Somebody says, how far out are, are you out? We have to say, I'm not really sure. It doesn't feel good to say that. But see, I have to remain in that place where I don't get in the way. And I'm telling you, he leads us to customer after customer after customer. I love in 1 Peter, it says, it's 1 Peter 4, it says, Use whatever gift you've received. We've already learned about where we get the gifts, right? Do I need to go over that again? I don't. We're good, right? Whatever gift you receive. Wouldn't it, isn't it weird how God, He made a way to give us gifts and we kind of act like we don't have any. Have you ever been told you're not creative? Anyone? Lie? Have you ever been told, well, you're not going to be much? 
in so many words, another lie. Have you ever been told, oh gosh, you've got a diagnosis of blank, another lie. See, the lies continue to perpetuate, and what is their aim? To make you really tiny, to make you really unfree, to make you really anxious, to make you really fearful. Whatever gift, 1 Peter 14, whatever gift you received for the good of one another, whatever gift you received is for the good of one another so you can show yourselves to be good stewards of God's grace. But listen to this in the Passion. Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Judy's saying that tonight. I was cracking up. She's singing about color, something. I know it was in there. I can't remember what it was. So think about your gifts for a minute. Do you know them? These gifts, so this gift of discernment. Let me tell you, Pam and I operate in this together. So I'm up here, and y'all are out there. And y'all bring your stuff in to the room. Let's be honest, right? There's all kinds of disbelief in here, skepticism in here. There's all kinds of, what am I going to do tomorrow? There's all kinds of fear and worry. There's all kinds of maybe offense. Maybe I've already offended you. I'm sure I offend someone every single service because it's a spirit. All of the things that are against God, skepticism, pride, envy, jealousy, offense, fear, all are spirits. So give yourself a hand. You're a discerner and an operator of spirits. How's that feel? You are. If you brought fear in here, you're operating with a spirit. Success. It's just not God's spirit. So you're really good. If you're anxious, you brought a spirit in. If you're mad, you brought a spirit in. If you're offended, you brought that in. You are a carrier of spirits. Now see, the goal is is to discern which spirit you want to be of. See how Pam and I operate? She knows what spirits could come against me. I'm up here. I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm telling y'all what he's saying. I listen a little bit more. I know you can't tell it, but that's what's happening up here. I listen a little bit more. I tell you a little bit more. Sometimes I have to pause to see what the next sentence is. Then I tell you a little bit more. But there's things against that. So Pam being at the gate. She's at my gate. Usually after the service, she'll say, man, did you feel that spirit of blank? I'll be like, nope. Because why? Pammy did a good job. See, because there's always something against God. There's always something for him. I just think it's so weird when, when people operate with the d- demonic and think that they're the ones that are powerful. See, if we had that mindset like, oh, I feel sorry for you. I I feel sorry for people who are skeptical about God because they're in torment. The enemy guarantees it. 
and God can't touch them. Right? Because they have put up a guard against God, the one who gives peace. See, the enemy doesn't possess peace, so he can't give peace. He can't, you can't give away what you don't have. And the enemy can't give away what he doesn't have. He doesn't have those things. He doesn't have the fruits of the Spirit. That's why he gives away fear. I asked Cece the question today. I said, now see, for me, I was raised, um, I was raised to know that the Holy Spirit was the only Spirit that I wanted to serve. And so when I, I, I smell fear on people, or I hear fear on people, I'm like, that's fear. Why don't you know that's fear? She had a really good answer. She said, because no one told us what that fear would really do in our lives. And they told us to look at it. They told us, look over at it and see if it can be avoided. See if you can do something with it. It became the object of focus. Are you with me? So since I become what I look at, then I become fearful, and so I make decisions based on fear. Now, I might throw down one fear step, and I'll be like, Oh, I don't know. This doesn't feel good. But see, if you're if you're a partner of fear, you just kind of keep taking some more steps. You keep hearing stuff the whole time. All these alarms going off. You don't feel peace. You don't feel nothing good. You think, well, if I just keep going down that road, it's going to be down there somewhere. And see, that tells us that our discernment has been tuned to the wrong channel. Everyone in here has discernment. Everyone in here has discernment. You're welcome. Maybe it's the first time you're... And different things affect you differently because everyone in here has a different calling. Listen, your calling, your personality, your gift set is unique to you. Just like no one has the same finger. Can, can you say... In this tiny little this tiny little thing, there's not two of those alike. I don't even know how you can make that many designs on that little square. This has nine billion design possibilities on it. Or how many people are here? I don't know. Okay. Well, we don't know. We don't care. It's not the point. And so it's the same way. No two people are the same on purpose. Why does God love diversity so much? Why is he the maker of diversity? I love diversity. I love people. I love to figure out, why are you doing that? What are you thinking? Today, Cece said something to me. I was like, why are you saying that? What are you thinking right there? And you know what I thought? Wasn't what she thought. She learned me about herself right then. In the car, we had a learning moment. See, 
When we, when we are in relationship with the Holy Spirit, I want to ask him that. What in the world are you thinking right here? And see, as I begin to discern that, I, I personally believe there's four types of spirits that operate on the earth that we interact with. What do you got on that? So there's God's spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. You know, let, let's read, read a couple. I got a couple. It's cool. In the Hebrew, the spirit of God is called Ruach. I've talked about that before with the Kunin brothers. And in the um, Greek, it's pneuma. Bro pulled out the pneuma the other day, right? These, uh, one of the things it says about the definition is it's never a depersonalized force. The Spirit of God, I like to think of it like this, that it's, it's the animator. Can't see it. You can feel it. I've seen people who are touched by the Holy Spirit shake. I've seen people who are scared shake. I've seen people who are demon-possessed shake. So the outward manifestation doesn't have anything to do with the origin. That's just a bodily human response to different spirits. I think that must have been a shocker for some of y'all. We already knew that, didn't we know that? I feel like we should have already known that. So... I have to have discernment to know what spirit's causing it. And why does that matter? Because if it's the Holy Spirit, I'm championing it. I'm breathing on it. I'm celebrating it. I'm saying, more Holy Spirit, more. Remember when the two Sarahs shook for two years? Do you all remember that? I couldn't understand why their neck wasn't thrown out, but no, it wasn't. If it's a demonic spirit, I need some authority. If I'm scared, that's not authority. I don't know if you know, they're not the same thing. My authority rests in who God is, not in who I am. And if I encounter somebody that has the demonic spirit, I have the power because of God. They have no power. Let me think like this. If the Holy Spirit was in human form, let's just say he was standing here with us, and someone in the audience or someone at home or someone at Target or someone at Walmart was having some demonic activity and the Holy Spirit was like standing there, would he be like, wow, I don't know if I can do anything about that. Would he be like, ooh, that's embarrassing. Would he be like, let's skirt out. Hey, what would he do? He would be like, be free. Be free. He would just free him. Do you understand? He's in you. Put me in. Put me on on the Holy Spirit. Put me in. I got this. Do you not do you not feel that? Like 
He has such a hunger to free, to impart love. If they're operating in the demonic, it's because a billion reasons that they've believed that voice over God. Maybe they never knew God's voice. You don't know. The answer is the same for every oppressed person. Freedom. If you see somebody shaking out of fear, you know, one of my, I'm going to use this word, are you ready? Pet peeves. Is when we demonstrate fear, especially over bugs. That's out of proportion. Listen, I have, I have, uh, I'm going to try to not use any names. Let me see if I can do it. Because I want to tell on you so bad, but. So we had somebody over that was a small child and they, we let them swim in our pool and they were fun and frolicky like a little kid would with water. You know how kids are with water, you know? And they went over, they found a turtle and the skimmer. They named it Turbo and he's dead now. I'm sorry. And hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Circle of life. Come on. Sway with me. Come on. Okay. And, and he was playing. And then all of a sudden, saw a spider. Now, I know their grandma. I live with her. <laughs> Names have been not chosen to protect the innocent. And she used to be extremely terrified of spiders, would scream at the top of her lungs over a spider. And guess what she did? She handed that down to her wee tots. And now they're carrying on the legacy. So guess what happened to the little frolicking boy? He couldn't get back in the water. That's the spirit. That's the spirit of fear. And when I bow to it, you know how I bow to it? I keep reacting the same way. Even though I know what's its purpose, not freedom. So now he's not free to come be a kid in the pool because the first thing we have to do is check for spiders. It marked him. That easy. That's why we need discernment of spirits. And see, the thing of it is, is that once that's been modeled, it's way harder to unmodel it. It's way harder to get that impression off. It's like a tattoo on their soul. And you got tattooed like that. Over and over. And so when that thing comes up, Haley Wynn, then I shake with fear, even though in my logical mind, I'm pretty sure I know this shoe is bigger than a spider. It was just modeled. See, fear is modeled. Just like I'm trying to, dang it, just like I'm trying to model the Holy Spirit to you. Because see, the Holy Spirit is, He's, He's not, I love this definition, he's not a depersonalized force. He is the animator. He is the energy. But guess what? 
the counterfeit of that, the demonic realm has energy too. That's why the manifestation of those three spirits look the same on human beings. All right. I have to stop there. Are you coming, Miho? Thank you. Whew. Good stuff, huh? Can you believe we even have to have a topic that's called like the relevance of the Holy Spirit? Like the more I learn and keep revisiting about the Holy Spirit, it's like it should be just the Holy Spirit. It's like there's no question anymore about relevance. You know, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's enough just saying that. Well, I wanted to, um, I've had a dream recently that I have not been able to get off my mind, and I think it goes along with Tisa's message tonight as a little illustration. And so I wanted to share that with you and then share a little nugget out of scripture that I've been on lately. And uh, so in this dream, I was on a large passenger airplane, you know, big airplane. And we landed at the airport and we were all getting off the plane. And but we were getting off like, you know, on the tarmac outside for some reason. And when I, as we were deplaning, I saw all the airline employees were running around and changing all the signage at, on that little plot of the tarmac, even the lines on the, on the concrete and where the grass stopped and started, they were laying things on top of it. Like they were coming up with another little triangular section of grass and laying it on top of the current little triangular section of grass and everything that had lines in the airline name, they covered over it with something that looked identical, but it had a different colored lines and a different airline name on it. And they, all of them had um, a matching uniform. And I had discernment in that moment. And I realized we've just been invaded. Like as a country, we've been invaded. And these foreigners had come in and they had just invaded our country and taken over that airline and that part of the airport. And they wanted to do it in such a way that it just looked like they'd been there all along. So they thought, well, if we just do this real fast, that we'll think, well, this is, oh, that must have been here and I didn't notice it. That must have just, that there's, they must be, um, you know, supposed to be here because everything looked official and looked like it belonged there. But I knew that it was a company that actually was operating to raise money for a fruit that grew in a foreign country. A fruit that grew in a foreign country. And all of their their new logo and the airline name and all that, all their colors were green and white. And I quickly turned, I knew the magnitude of this in the dream, and I was like, this is a big deal. I mean, like, we just got invaded, you know. And I turned to the people I was with, and I was like, we've got to run. And so we, we started running outside along the airport to get to the next airline that was like the next little section over, you know. And I knew like we had to jump over all these obstacles and jump over things and down from things. And we were just running, running, running. And when we got to the other airline, I, I just knew we just had to get there. And the other airline was United Airlines. And that's what we needed to get to. And so unity, yes, unity. So who's the most important person to be unified with? The Holy Spirit. 
And, you know, we always, we do talk a lot and it's a good thing to talk about being unified with each other. But if we're individually not unified with the Holy Spirit, with the Godhead, then we're just bringing a fractured part of him to be unified with your friend, you know? So um, we've got to be unified with the Holy Spirit first and foremost. And I was looking up in our little dream dictionary what an airplane represents, and it represents prophetic ministry, for one. It also represents going to new heights in the spirit or new heights in understanding. So I venture to say that applies to everyone, that if you're trying to pursue any you know, advancement in your life in any way, greater understanding, greater spiritual development, ministry, working and operating in the prophetic. So that's the airplane. And of course, the the airport is where you would, you know, you would land and take off from, like you just, you operate out of that place. And so in green and white, the colors of this invaders um, signage, um, the negative interpretation of those colors is envy, jealousy, pride, and the religious spirit. So those are four specific things that were are being highlighted specifically. And we could look at that as a, a foreign um, a foreign spirit, like she was saying, that has an energy behind it that is attempting to um, animate what you're doing in that moment. So if if we didn't know that was an invader from a foreign country serving a foreign god to support a foreign fruit, basically, that's something not of God. If we didn't know that, then we would just keep flying in and out of there and thinking that we're doing the thing that's going to get us somewhere, but we're really being fueled by and go, you know, elevated, even animated by a an invading spirit, a spirit that is an invader and is not, does not have our best interest in mind. And so, obviously, we wanted to run to back to the United Airlines, where we're united in our ministry, we're united in our pursuits and our spiritual development and understanding growth in general with the Holy Spirit, because that was the place of safety. And so, um, discernment was, thankfully, I had discernment in this dream, and I knew that's what it was, and I knew run, not walk, not take your time not say, well, next time we fly, we should go to that other one. It was run. And I think that's an important thing. Like Tisa said, I wasn't raised to know what I was dealing with. So I learned how to navigate life like that was just the same as the sun rising and setting. Every day was there was fear involved and there was anger and there was, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And so it was just normal. But now my eyes have been opened to know that that is a spirit that has an agenda and I cannot minimize its influence. And so whether we're good at it or not, just learning to recognize that that is a spirit that has an agenda that is trying to accomplish something in your life. It's trying to produce fruit in your life that is nothing that nothing you want, that will actually be torment to you. And so we want to recognize that those are the things that we are dealing with in life and learn how to respond to them appropriately and run back to unity with the Holy Spirit. Because this verse in um, John 14 that taught when Jesus is telling the disciples that I love that that section, the Passion Translation says he's comforting his disciples because he's telling them I'm going to be going away soon. But I'm going, he says when he's saying I'll send the Holy Spirit. So he says, and I, Jesus is speaking. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior. 
the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. He will never leave you. Your best friend, that's right. And so I, it's mind-boggling to me how little the Holy Spirit was talked about. I don't even understand how we, how Christianity can be as old as it is, and so many people have not ever talked about the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't understand it. But because we talk about Jesus and He's the Savior, but it's, I mean, obviously it says right here, another Savior. And so I love what, you know, the Passion Translation, one of the reasons we love it is because Brian Simmons studied the original language, the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Greek, to really flush out the meaning of the original text in the Bible, because over time the language has gotten so diluted. So when we think Savior now, that was actually something deeper than just that first thought that comes to your mind, not just a rescuer for some problem. It's not just that one thing, you know. And so um, the Passion Translation have lots of footnotes in there to flush out the deeper meaning. And so um, this word, allos, means another of the same kind. So Jesus is saying, I'll send you another one like me, another one like me. So who, why would we need another one? Why would we need something besides Jesus, Right. And so it tells us here that Jesus is the Savior from the guilt of sin. Now, you know, sin is not the big scary thing everybody's made it out to be. It's just anything that separates us from God that breaks unity with God. So it's just anything that gets in the way of God, of you and God. And so Jesus is the Savior from the guilt of sin. So the way I see that is that we can no longer be found guilty in a court of law for having sin and operating in our life, which means we will be granted access to heaven, etc. We can be have relationship with Father God. So we are no longer guilty as believers, but the Holy Spirit is the Savior who saves us from the power of sin. The power of sin. So that's eye-opening to me because Obviously, this is another reason I think God's been given a really bad name is because we've acted like, oh, you know, make Jesus your Lord and Savior, and bam, your life will be better, and you can have the John 10, 10 life that's abundant and overflowing with goodness, and everything will be great. But we're not going to tell you about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's the one you need to actually, you know, be rescued from the power of sin. So that's telling me that sin still has power to influence us. It has power in our lives. That's why you can be a Christian and be miserable. That's why you can be a Christian and have so many problems in your life and and suffer tremendously because there is power when we partner with sin and whether we know it or not, we can be we partner with sin when we do things like partnering with fear. With those that very thing we talked about with those spirits, we may not know it's a spirit, we may not know that's what we're doing, that may we may just be doing what we were taught, but that is partnering with sin, which gives sin power in our lives. So it's the connection for why we are dealing with some of the stuff we're doing in life because we are essentially unknowingly partnering with something that is has real power. Now, thankfully, God in His mercy will never hold that against us. Will never hold that against us, and he's merciful to come and rescue us from that. So it's the Holy Spirit that saves us from the power of sin as we live out this life on earth. 
And so another footnote his, here says the Greek word used here for um, the, the Holy Spirit is parakletos. It's a technical word that could be translated defense attorney. And so I'm going to read a few um, of the words that have been used in other translations to describe him because everybody's trying to find a word to describe what the Holy Spirit does for us, what kind of savior he's going to be. And all of these are true. So one could be a defense attorney. So I like to picture that. If I'm taken to court, then there's somebody in there on my side arguing for me, standing up, knows the law, knows what to do. Um, that's one aspect. That's something I need in life. If I'm accused of something, you know, by somebody, then I need somebody who to defend me. And then another one is it means one called to stand next to you as a helper. Now that's, talk about a friend. Like I'm in situations all the time where I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do in this situation? Well, I like to picture that the Holy Spirit's standing next to me. It's a friend who's a helper. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt like you were just alone in your crappy situation? And you're like, good God, I just wish somebody here could give me some other idea. We have a helper who's with us standing right here. So good God, good God. Yeah, so we are never without a helper, no matter what level of problem we're dealing with. Another translation has rendered this as counselor, which is a big one. I was in professional counseling for over 10 years, like once a week, because I'm like, Lord, I need some counsel. Give me some advice. Tell me what to do. How should I see this? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with them? Counsel me on my life circumstances. Comforter. Boy, I've needed a comforter. Still need a comforter. I need all of these all the time, right? We have situations in life. We experience things in life. We need comfort for. That is also the Holy Spirit. An advocate somebody that's going to promote you, that somebody is going to go ahead of you and advocate for what you're trying to do in your day to, to further your cause. That's another aspect of the Holy Spirit. An encourager. Encourager, sometimes we need that. Like, man, it's been rough. Get up and keep going. Just keep going. You've got to be, in, we need encouragement to keep walking the walk, fighting the fight, and all of those things that we're trying to do. An intercessor. An intercessor is somebody who's praying for you, who's seeking the Father for you, praying for to call down angels to come and war for you, for to invade your situation, and you don't even know it. You, you're watching TV, you're taking a bubble bath, you're eating a pizza or ice cream. You don't even have to know what's going on. And somebody is praying for you, interceding for you. That's another way the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives. And of course, helper, which we already mentioned, just help. That covers a wide range of things, right? Just give me some help. So I like to really focus on this and break this down to see how much of a role the Holy Spirit is actually meant to play in our lives. This was part of God's plan. And so if we could learn to operate with that, then we would not be triggered so easily to do things out of our own strength and do things out of those, those ways we were taught that weren't wisdom. So the Passion Translation goes on to say, it the translation has chosen the word Savior, for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, to defend, to save us from ourselves, to save us from our enemies, and to keep us whole, 
and keep us healed. All of that is the role of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who guides us in our decisions in all of life. He's the one who defends us. He comforts us and he consoles us. Doesn't that sound like somebody that should be relevant in our lives? That sounds like somebody that, like I said, it should just be the Holy Spirit. Everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit. Everything I'm thinking, the Holy Spirit should be involved in my every thought, in my every moment of my life, like Tisa said. That she said the most incredible thing that her top priority in life is to yield to the Holy Spirit. Look at all that she gets direct access to just by saying, I'm going to make you a priority, Holy Spirit, because I recognize the, the plan of God. And that was part of the plan. Jesus came to pay the price for our sin and, and make a way and save us from the guilt of sin. The Holy Spirit was part two of the plan. Why would we skip that and then just and, and suffer? And so, again, we want to run to that united airlines where we're going higher in the things of the Spirit. We're going higher in, in our understanding and our prophetic ministry with united with the Holy Spirit so that we too can operate with this discernment of spirits. And so Holy Spirit, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. I just give you all the glory and honor and praise tonight. And I just pray that my mouth and my lips will be filled with praises for you even more tomorrow, that I would find myself thinking about you even more. I just declare into the atmosphere right now that we will have an elevated expectation of you, an elevated awareness of how present you are in our lives, and an elevated awareness of your, um, your wanting to be put in the game in our life. And so we just elevate you right now. We ask for forgiveness on behalf of all of humanity for ignoring you, for blowing you off, for not even speaking your name when you are clearly, clearly so important to this life and living a life of abundance and wholeness and healing. You are the one who helps us receive everything that Jesus died to give us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move on each person's heart and, and seal this message up tonight in their minds and that they would be impacted by it in a way that they will be forever changed and forever have an increased um, value for you in their lives. So I thank you that your passion is to pursue us even more than ours is to pursue you and that you will always meet us right there when we invite you in. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Papa God, we thank you. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay 